Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. Join me today for number five in this series on the mission that God has given to the church today. Today, we're going to talk about the titles given to the humanity and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and explain how those work together in our life. The fact we can be born again and anointed with power from on high. Good stuff. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hi, and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy, and glad to have you here today. This is number five in my series on God's mission for the church, and talking about what is these end times that we're in, and what has been the mission of the church the entire time, and what's happening is right now, it's intensifying what God's plan is. Let me just quickly review where we have gone from. When Jesus Christ arose from the dead, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit? Because his job was done. Throughout the Old Testament, he came to earth, went back, came to earth, went back. He came as the angel of the Lord. He came as the, the fire by night and the, and the cloud by day. And he came as just different things throughout the word of God. And uh, in talk to uh, Moses from a burning bush, he was the burning bush. I mean, all these things were Jesus Christ coming to this earth to help and to um, assist man. But anyway, when he came and uh, as a human being went to the cross and died for us, before he left, he said, I'm giving you all authority. The authority I walk in has now been given to you. I have all authority, but here's the authority I'm gonna give you over demons, large demons, small demons. The name of Jesus has been given to you for you to take authority and then also to preach the word of God throughout all the world. Signs, wonders, miracles, these things will happen to you. So that in essence, Jesus can remain seated at the right hand of the Father, of which the Father said to him when he sat down, Psalm 110 verse 1, as well as the first uh, chapter of Hebrews, he said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That hasn't happened yet, so Jesus remains seated in heaven and works through the church where he used to come and do the work himself, now he works through the church, has invested that authority in us. And where we left off with last time was the fact that to do this, we need a mediator. God is on one side, absolute righteousness, not any unrighteousness in him at all. We stand on the other side, totally unrighteous, even our righteousnesses described in the book of Isaiah, come from our flesh and is unpleasing to God, even those God is not pleased with. So there's no way we could ever come in contact with God himself. Go with me to Job chapter nine. This is where we left off with last time. In fact, what I'm teaching you is found in my book on the book of Ephesians. You'll be blessed by it at uh, the intermission halftime. They're gonna come on and tell you how you can have a copy of this all for yourself. And you'll be glad that you do once you get into it. Job chapter nine, verses one through four. Uh, Job describes this problem he has. So let's just read verses one through three. Verse four we'll come to later. And so it says here in verse one, then Job answered and said in Job nine, Job answered and said, truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. The problem is, it's gonna be found in verse 32, is why we can't approach God and God really cannot approach us. Just as God and man coming together is he's righteous and we're not. Righteousness can have no contact with unrighteousness. God who is absolutely pure can have no contact with sin and we're born into sin. So how in the world could this ever happen? Job now proposes 
the, the, the remotest possibility if this was possible, but he knows it's not. Verse 32 and verse 33, here's the problem. For he, that's God, is not a man as I am that I may answer him and that we should go to court together. In other words, this thing is so bad, it's like we need, we need an arbitrator between us. We need a mediator between us. Verse 33, nor is there any mediator between us, one who may lay his hand on us both. He said, oh, if there was just somebody that could take the, an infinitely righteous God and a totally unrighteous man and bring the two together, lay one hand on God, lay one hand on man, and unite the two impossibilities, that would be wonderful. Well, the whole issue is not that God is just smarter. He's righteous. We're not. There seemed to be no mediator equal to both sides. Who could lay his hand on both of us and pull the two impossibilities together? Yet there is. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the God-man, uniting God and man together. And if we come to God, we can only come to God through the mediator. If God comes to us, he can only go through the mediator. He lays his hand on us both. Jesus abolished the barrier of sin that stood between God and man. The reason why he could do this, he had no sin of his own. He became sin. He never committed a sin. He became sin on the cross, died for us, and abolished the barrier. The barrier was sin between us and God, but since Jesus abolished the barrier, he became the barrier. And now the barrier that is between me and God is Jesus Christ. The whole issue of salvation is not your sins. Jesus became your sin. No matter what you've done, he has taken that sin except for one. And the one that he leaves open is for you to accept him as Lord and Savior. Because if he died for that one too, we would all automatically be saved. He leaves this one up to you, up to your will. Of his will, he died for us. Of his will, he took all our sins. But also of his will, he refused to take one of them. And that was the fact that we need to accept Jesus Christ. He did not force himself on us. We have to come willingly to him, accept him. And then all those sins that have been forgiven will never, ever be held against us in eternity. So today, the barrier between God and man is no longer sin. It is Jesus Christ and our attitude toward him. Let's talk about when the entrance of this mediator came because his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the God man. He's equal to man, perfectly equal to man, except he came into this earth outside the curse on mankind through the virgin birth. And by coming through the virgin birth, he qualifies to be our redeemer. In fact, the Bible describes him as the last Adam. The first Adam messed us up, got us into trouble. The last Adam gets us out of it. But where the first Adam did it, and we had no choice being born into this world, into sin, into a fallen condition, we do have a choice to get out of it. And that is by accepting the last Adam as our savior. And suddenly we come into relationship with God through him. Hebrews chapter 10 verses five through nine describes it this way. Let's take a look at it here. My favorite Christmas verse. This is a wonderful, incredible verse of scripture for Christmas, yet no one, no one even talks about it. Look at what it says. And here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses five through nine, the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ are presented together. When he entered into this earth, this is the one that would come. And by going to the cross, he would lay one hand on God and one hand on man and unite the two impossibilities together. 
All we have to do is receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 9, verse 5 says this, Therefore, when he came into the world, the Greek word here for world is cosmos. It isn't the earth. That's the word gay, where we get the word geography and geology. But the word cosmos means the world system the world's arrangement. He came into this world that is filled with evil, filled with man's pride, filled with all the problems of this world. He entered into that world. When did he enter into that world? Therefore, when he came into the world, this is describing when he was born of Mary. I mean, from the time he came out of the womb, look what it says. He said, I'm going to say that again. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Understand that. Take and fathom what happened here. He didn't roll over and say this to Mary. She would have freaked out. Why? Because his humanity had to learn to talk. But in deity, he didn't have to learn. This is the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his Father in heaven. And here's what he said. He said to the Father, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Notice this. He knew he was in a body. It was an infant body, a just born body, which could not speak and needed to do anything any baby did. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to eat all the different things and grow up. That all came by his humanity. But deity never had to grow up. And it says again, sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you have prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Therefore, I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. The volume of the book is the fullness of the Old Testament. Every jot, every tittle, every sacrifice, every turtle dove, every pigeon, every oxen, everything that was offered back there, he came to fulfill all of that. Then every part of the written law, he had to fulfill all the Ten Commandments, every other commandment of the Word of God. He filled it, and by the time he was 33 years old, he could go to the cross and say, this is it, and he died for the sins of the world. Why? Because he perfectly kept the law. No one had ever done it. Someone had to do it. Throughout the Old Testament, Jesus came as the angel of the Lord, but afterwards he left it. But an angel can't redeem us. He came as a, as a burning bush, but a burning bush cannot redeem us. So he came many, many times in the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16 says this. For verily he took not on himself the nature of angels, but he did take hold on him the seed of Abraham. What's this verse saying? First of all, Hebrews 2.16 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. The Greek word for hold or take hold on is the Greek word epilombano, which means to take hold on tight. Lombano means to take, but epi means extreme. And so what it says is he didn't take hold tight on the nature of angels. But he did take hold on tight on the seed of Abraham. Every time Jesus came, when he came as the angel of the Lord, he let go of it. When he came as the rock that followed the children of Israel, he let go of it. When he came as the fire by night, he let go of it. When he came as the cloud by day, he let, he turned loose of that also. Every time he came as something, he turned loose of it because he never took hold tight on any of that. But he did take hold tight on the seed of Abraham. Once he came as a child, 
He grabbed hold and he never let go. Jesus Christ, once he took on a human body, has never left that human body, is in that human body now. In fact, we're going to find out there's one mediator between God and man that sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father, the man, Christ Jesus. He's still a human being, but he came to this earth as a, as a seed of Abraham, and he lived perfectly. He was born without the curse, lived without the curse, died without the curse, walked perfectly in this earth, tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. He never accepted sin. So he did not hold tight on the nature of angels, but he did hold tight on the seed of Abraham when he came into this earth. Jesus Christ is not 50% God and 50% man. He is 100% God, 100% man, the unique person of the universe. No one has ever existed like him before. No one ever will exist like him afterwards. That's why he's the only one that can save us, the only one who can bring us and unite us with God the only one who can lay hand on one hand on God and the other hand on man. He's the unique person of the universe, the only means of salvation for all of mankind. That's why the word of God says there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved than through the name of Jesus. And there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. He had to become a man because his deity, as God, he couldn't die. He had to come and die for mankind, so he had to become a man. I will see you right after the break. Ephesus was famous for reckless living and idol worship. Even so, the Ephesian church was deeply spiritual. Unlike other letters correcting error, Paul's letter to the Ephesians revealed to mature believers both the truth of who they are in Christ and the practical application of this revelation to their marriages, families, and everyday lives. Bobby Andian's New Testament commentary on Ephesians ties in Greek word studies and scriptural references, revealing God's empowering grace and the unprecedented authority of every believer as part of the body of Christ on earth. To order the New Testament commentary on Ephesians, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for His saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include the seven dispensations, the dispensation of the mystery, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, Daniel's 70 weeks, the temple discourse, the tribulation, the second coming, the Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit BobYandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website 
at bobbyandian.com and click on Partnership. Before we get back into the scriptures, I just want to be thankful for, first of all, all that God has done in this ministry, but also you who stand beside me, my partners. You know, it wasn't that many uh, months ago. We had a need for better equipment here. We have great equipment, but this new stuff came out, better equipment, and uh, we decided to go for it. $50,000 is what it was going to cost, and within three weeks, all the money came in and more. I, it just blows me away. Again, the faithfulness, the dependability of those who walk beside me because you share the vision with me. You'll never Never have the fullness of the vision like I do, but every one of you share in that vision and want to contribute your part to do so. And I just thank God for you. If you'd like to become a partner with me in this ministry, that's more than somebody that just watches or sends an occasional offering. You monthly are praying for me and monthly are giving into this ministry. And through the months that come, you increase your giving as the days go by. Why? Because God turns around and blesses you for giving into the gospel, giving into the ministry, giving into the teaching, giving into disciples. God loves this so much he rewards that type of giver because you love God and you love humanity out there enough to want to give so that they can receive Jesus. It's the only place you can put your money that is eternal. Cars, homes, all these other things is not eternal. And God has no problem with that as long as you put, first of all, eternal things ahead of everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that all these other you know, temporary things will be added unto you. If you'd like to, then come to my ministry, go to bobbyandian.com and you'll find a place there on the face page where you can become a partner with me. Thank you so much in advance. You are such a blessing. Jesus Christ had to become a man. Why? Because the problem with sins was that someone had to die for sin. For as by one man sin entered the world and then death came by sin. Someone had to come and die to take man outside and bring him out of his own sin, and Jesus Christ came. But the one that had to die could not be a sinner. He had to be perfect. And that means, first of all, he had to be born outside the curse on mankind, and that was through the virgin birth. But next of all, see, that would line him up with Adam. Adam was placed here in that same condition, but Satan tempted him, and Adam fell for it. But Jesus Christ was tempted in every point as we are yet without sin. He never fell for any of it. He kept telling Satan, Get behind me, he would quote scripture back at Satan because Satan would twist the scriptures. Just like he did with Adam and Eve, twisted what God had said. He twisted it with Jesus, but Jesus came back with the correctness, the application, the interpretation of a verse, or else he quoted a different verse, which contradicted Satan every single time and told him to get behind him. So as deity though, God couldn't die. Jesus Christ had to come as a human being to settle the issue of death. And so Jesus had to become in this earth and become a man. As deity, God, he could not die. All three members of the Godhead are equal. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of them are deity. They had no humanity until Jesus came and took on humanity. But for all the billions, trillions of years, that have been before that time. In fact, we could go back and there was never a time God did not exist. All three members of the Godhead, but there was a time when the second member of the Godhead came to this earth, took on a human body so that he could redeem man and bring man back to God as it was before the fall of Adam. All three members of the Godhead are equal, but they're also incapable of dying. When the Bible says that you know that you have to die for the sins of the world and only by death can man be redeemed and God is the only one that could do that, how in the world does God die? He had to become a human being 
But for God to identify with him, he had to be a perfect human being, born in perfection, then live in perfection for his entire life and undo what Satan had done through Adam. So let me just give you some of the attributes of the Godhead. All three members of the Godhead have eternal life. All three members of the Godhead are omnipotent, all-powerful. Number three, all three members of the Godhead are omnipresent. They are everywhere. Next of all, they're immutable, which means they cannot change. Next of all, veracity. They cannot tell a lie. All of these things and many, many more are found within the Godhead. But let's go back and take a look at them one at a time. If God had to die for the sins of the world and he is eternal life, all three members of the Godhead are eternal life, how do you kill eternal life? Next of all, God is omnipotent. How in the world can God go to a cross and weaken himself to die for the sins of the world? Next of all, he's omnipresent. How does omnipresence reduce itself to one spot and die? Next of all, he's immutable. He can't change. But if he died, he would change. If he changed, he was lying. And that's the next one. Veracity, he cannot lie. In other words, death defies and contradicts every characteristic of the Godhead the only way that God could accomplish all these things was he had to become a human being. And the second member of the Godhead was designated as the one who would become the redeemer of all mankind. And so when Jesus came to this earth to die for us, the whole point is he didn't die as deity. Deity didn't die on the cross. What died on the cross was a perfect human being, born in perfection, lived in perfection, died in perfection, and didn't die because sin was upon him, died of his own free will on the cross. So it comes back to it again. Think about this deity. Even if God could die, which is a total contradiction of all things, what would it settle? I'm not God. Whatever is on the cross has to be equal with me and with God. If deity could go to the cross, it doesn't help me. I'm not deity. Whoever went to the cross has to represent both sides. And the only way he could represent both sides is to be God, but also become a human being. And as a human being, I could identify with him. As a perfect human being, God could identify with him. And on the cross, he could settle the sin issue of the world, die for it, and again, uh, come and remove that curse from all mankind by us receiving it. He did everything possible. And just at the point where he could actually take all the sins away from us personally, he settled the issue, died for it. But that happened. He left one thing. He said, no, I've got to leave that with the man himself. He has to be able to receive me as Lord and Savior. So the one dying would also have to be equal with me and be human. Even if God could die, what would it settle? I'm not God. And next of all, think about this. If God could die, how do you kill him? All right, how do you kill God? You drive nails through him, that's gonna kill God. You drive a sword through him, that's gonna kill God. How do you kill deity? It cannot happen. And on top of that, if you could kill God and God could die, who raised him from the dead? Deity, again, was not the issue on the cross. Deity did not die because it couldn't die. Next of all, it didn't need to die. What needed to die was something equal with us, but better equal with us so we could identify with it better than us so God could identify with it. And that's why Jesus Christ came as a perfect human being, 
born through the nature of the, the virgin birth, and then next of all was freed from the nature of sin because he never sinned in this earth and accepted the curse of Satan. He never fell for all the temptations of Satan, tempted in every point as we are, yet within without sin. Let's talk about names for his deity and names for his humanity. When he came into this earth, he was known as God in heaven, and those who knew he was coming knew he was God, but he also came as a human being. So let's talk about names or titles for his deity and titles or names for his humanity. First of all, as deity, he had three titles. First of all is Christ. Next of all is the Son of God. And Jesus used this a couple of times, the word I am. And so, first of all, Christ is a title for his deity, and Son of God is a title for his deity, all right? So, in so doing, in fact, this is interesting, Peter put both of them together. Remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples and said, who, who do uh, men say that I am? They said, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Notice this, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? We'll qualify that. Son of Man is a title for his humanity. Jesus asked his disciples one day, what's, tell me what's going on in town. What's the buzz on the street when they talk about me? What are people saying about me? Well, some say that you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. You're Elijah or Elisha, come back from the dead and all that. Then he looked at him and said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up immediately and he put both these names together. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you're blessed because you know what? Flesh and blood hasn't that revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven. It takes a divine revelation to see past my humanity and understand I am God in the flesh. The third thing that again speaks of that is the name I am. And so whenever Jesus used that title, remember one, one night they came to arrest him and they said, we're looking for Jesus. And uh, he said, I am he in the King James. If you look real close, that word he is in italics, which means it's been added. All he said was, I am, and they all fell over on the ground. This is a title he used. In fact, he used it when talking to the Pharisees and said before Abraham was, I am. They said, you're not even 50 years old. Here you are talking about Abraham like you know him. How could you be that? They, all they saw him was as a human being. And they saw him as a, as a flawed human being. Of course, they didn't see him as God. But the moment they said, they says, no, no. He says, before Abraham existed, I already existed. Before Abraham was, past tense, I am all the time. Boy, they got mad at him because this was a title for God. And so we have, let's talk about names for his humanity. Names for his humanity is Jesus and the Son of Man. Jesus and the Son of Man. Also, a, a combination we'll take up here in just a little bit, pulls all those together and we'll talk about that. Names for his humanity is Jesus and Son of Man. Uh, Jesus, listen, Jesus said one time, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know why? Because God neither slumbers nor sleeps. As deity, he never went to sleep, but humanity could get tired. Even though he came outside the curse, tiredness is not part of the curse. Tiredness is a part of just having a human body and using it and reaching a point where you need to take a rest. So it says, Jesus said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And then Luke reported this and said, after 40 days when Jesus fasted, Jesus was hungry. Deity doesn't eat. Deity didn't need a sandwich. Deity didn't need fish or bread. Humanity needed that. And that's why Luke reported Jesus was hungry. And after Jesus Christ 
again was born, the Gabriel came and said, you will call his name Jesus. Jesus was a common name in his day. There were other Jesus. In fact, there's a couple of other Jesuses found in the book of Acts. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Barabbas, they said, give us Barabbas and take him out and put Jesus in there. Jesus was the first name of Barabbas. They basically said, take Jesus, who is the called the Christ and crucify him, but give us Jesus Barabbas. So again, we find there was other Jesuses found in the word of God. There was also titles for his union, the deity and the humanity of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, if Christ is a title for his deity and Jesus a title for his humanity, then there's the name Christ Jesus or the name Jesus Christ. Another title for both the humanity and the deity, the combination of both is the son of David. For God promised David he would have a son that's human who would sit on the throne forever. He has to be divine to do that. And Gabriel again said he will sit on the throne of his father, David. You know what? We'll just pick up right where we left off next time I come back. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.